One of the things that we love about the Advent season is just getting our, our different family units involved in, uh, in helping with that. And, and so um, over the next four weeks as we light these candles, we'll get to see uh, some of our different uh, folks doing that and participating in that way. So thank you, Canona's family, for getting us started there. Uh, my name is Steve. I'm the lead pastor here. Welcome, everybody. Hopefully you had a wonderful Thanksgiving week. And uh, now, believe it or not, it is Advent time. So here we go. <laughs> um, if you have a Bible, open with me to Isaiah 53. We're going to be uh, in this chapter um, all morning. And we're going to just start with uh, reading a couple quick verses. And then we'll, we'll pull some uh, ideas from the rest of it. Um, as we make our way through this conversation today. exercise that we did uh, almost, well, I guess it would be over two years ago now, during our first in-person gatherings uh, after being apart for a long time during, uh, during COVID. And so what, um, uh, what we do here is I just want to invite you to take your hands and sort of hold them out in front of you and, and just kind of feel... The, the, uh, just kind of feel your hands and your body in this moment, open-handed. Then I want you to take your hands and I want you to put them over your heart. And again, to feel the heartbeats, your breath, sort of get into your body in this moment in this season that can be very busy and very noisy. Just take a moment to be here. Take a deep breath. And then keeping your hands over your heart, join me in prayer. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we we step into this season uh, experiencing many different things. As Kayla was just sharing, for some of us, this can be a season of pain, conflict, big questions. For many of us, this is a season of busyness, just one thing after another coming at us. This can be a season where relationships are challenging. And so, God, we ask now that you would take all of those things that we bring into Advent. And, God, we ask that you would hold them for us. So that we can experience maybe for the first time, maybe in a new way, maybe in a fresh way, the good news of what this season means. What it means that you sent your son Jesus to be a human being, to spend time in a human body, to live with us, to be among us, to be a baby and a teenager and all of the other awkward stages of development, but ultimately to, to live and give his life for us. 
So again, God, hold those things for us. Would you speak to us today? We are expectant that you would speak to us. Give us the courage to respond in whatever ways we need to respond. We pray all of this this morning in the powerful name of Jesus and everybody said, amen. <clears throat> all right, well, again, <laughs> believe it or not, it, it, is, it is actually, I need to read the scripture first here before I get going. Um, see, I'm, I'm so thrown off by Advent, I don't even know what I'm doing up here anymore. All right, Isaiah 53, we're going to read the first six verses, and like I said before, we're going to come back to this um, and, and subsequent verses. So if you have your Bible or your phone open, make sure you keep that available as we make our way through this chapter. Isaiah 53, verse 1, begins like this. Who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root to him. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Well, like I was saying, it is, uh, it is amazing to think that we are in, in Advent season. Maybe for some of you, you're like, dude, we've been in Christmas since mid-October. Have you been to a store? Um, but at least for me, it feels like time has gone by really fast. Like the fall just started, my kids just went back to school, and then all of a sudden it's, it's Halloween, and then it's Thanksgiving, and now ah, like it's Advent. It feels like it's coming, at least for me, coming at me very fast this year. And, and so as we enter into this season, our theme for Advent this year is this little phrase, now in flesh appearing. Now in flesh appearing. This, of course, comes from the song, O Come All Ye Faithful, or if you are a Latin scholar like myself, Adeste Fidelis. I took Latin in high school. It's like the only time I ever get to use it, so just bear with me, all right? But the lyric, of course, is this, right? Word of the Father, now in flesh appearing, O come let us adore him, O come let us adore him, O come let us adore him, Christ the Lord. Perhaps you've, you are unfamiliar with this song, or maybe you have sung it a hundred times, but either way, this is going to frame our conversation for the next several weeks. As we spend time meditating on this idea, as we spend time in the Old Testament book of Isaiah, as we look at all of the different connections between Jesus and these prophecies about Jesus, and then, then the traditional Advent themes of hope and peace and joy and love. And by the way, we, we sent this out this week, but if you didn't get it or, or um, uh, missed it in your email inbox for some reason, um, for those with kids in particular, we sent out an Advent uh, uh, guide. Um, if, you would, if you would like that, you don't have to have kids to receive it, but if you want a copy of that, let us know and we will make sure you get that. It's going to track with our, uh, our conversations here on Sunday morning and also with what the kids will be doing in Discovery Kids in the next uh, couple of weeks 
as well. So we're looking at, again, these connections between this Old Testament book of Isaiah, prophecies about Jesus, these Advent themes of hope, peace, joy, and love, and then we're going to try to connect them with the great commandment, which has been really the frame for our conversation this fall, right? Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul, with all of your strength and with all of your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. I think the, the great commandment resonates in our cultural moment for hopefully a bunch of reasons, but in particular because we have this growing recognition that there are these different aspects Right, of ourselves, these different things that make up who we are. And it's fascinating to me that, that Moses, which is where this comes from, Deuteronomy chapter 6 is the first time we get this formulation, this invitation to love God with heart, soul, mind, and strength. Um, and then also Jesus obviously echoes it in, in the New Testament. Right, Neither one of them say, hey, love God, this is a really good idea. Right? Or some sort of generic thing like that. They break it down, heart, soul, mind, and strength. Which is interesting to me because I do think we use this kind of language today. Right? We say things like, oh, my, my brain is telling me this. Or I follow my heart. Or my body is feeling really good today. We recognize, again, these different aspects that make up our full selves. My concern, though, with some of that language is that we don't always have good ways of tying this together. And so it's helpful and healthy, I think, to recognize these different aspects of ourselves. But we can end up fragmented, divided, where we're reduced simply to brain chemistry or muscles and bones or how we feel in a particular moment. But the good news of Jesus, and we've been exploring this now for several weeks, but the good news of Jesus and of Advent, the good news of being created in the image of God is that we do have these different aspects that make up our full selves, but they can and are integrated together into something whole and total. We are not meant to live divided. We are not simply just flesh and blood or brain chemistry or our emotional state in a particular Moment. We are a whole person, heart, soul, mind, and strength created in the image of God. Now, having said that, we are going to move through each of those aspects week by week, but the aim here, the goal, is to do it in a way that leads us to deeper integration. So today we want to begin by exploring the connection between hope, which is the candle that we just lit and, and some of the things we just reflected on. The connections between hope this morning about our bodies. <clears throat> our bodies. We are, I think, deeply ambivalent about our bodies in our culture. Because in some ways, everything is about the body, Right? We show them off, we work them out, we dress them up, we worship our physical bodies. But then at the same time, we, we also can feel deep shame about our body. We, we can feel a not-enoughness. We put junk into them. We punish our bodies. We try to transcend the reality of our bodies in all kinds of different ways. And yet there is this deep truth that... that uh, we need to pay attention to this, right? We need to pay attention to our bodies. Bessel van der Kolk's book, The Body Keeps the Score, 
which I actually haven't read yet, but um, I've, I've heard it referenced many different times. A great example of this growing recognition that we cannot simply deny or, or transcend our body just because we want to. Right, the, the, the things that we experience, the, the stuff that we move through in life, it gets stored up in our physical bodies. And again, we need to pay attention to that. We, we cannot deny that if we want to become more whole, more alive, more human, more ourselves. So we look to our bodies to stay alive. Uh, to attract other people to us, to achieve certain goals for us, we oftentimes look to our bodies for strength and for hope. But then we live with the truth, the reality that our bodies also fail us. We fall short of a goal, we get injured, we get sick, we die. And and uh, I think I make probably too many jokes about this, but I am getting older. And uh, man, there, one, of the, one of the realities of getting older is that your body hurts for no reason. I, I saw a meme the other day that, that basically said like being in your 30s is, which I'm past that, <laughs> by the way. But the, there was, it was being in your 30s is waking up and your back hurts, but you don't know what happens to cause that. I was like, yeah, that is exactly right. <laughs> it's worse in your 40s. Right, so we have this, we, we have this awareness that uh, these bodies that we have are, are um, in various states of decay. Right, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul says, Therefore we do not lose heart, even though outwardly we are in a lot of way. Right, and that outwardly wasting away, man, I feel that <laughs> in a lot of ways. I have a bad shoulder, I have a bad back. Play soccer for 10 minutes and I'm done. Outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. So this truth, this truth that our bodies are not permanent, right, that they are in fact wasting away, might be one of the harder truths to accept in our cultural moment. And so this raises the question of the morning, which is, okay then, so if we cannot put our hope in this physical body that we have been given, what then can we put our hope in? Well, at the heart of the good news of Advent is this truth that God became a human being, that, as John says, the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. The fancy term here is incarnation, in the flesh. Now in flesh appearing. So for the next couple minutes, I want to explore what does that mean? What does it mean that God became a human being and why is that good news for us? Well, first of all, the incarnation is an affirmation of our bodies. Jesus did not, he's not a ghost. Okay, he's not an angel. He's not a zombie. Jesus is a human being born of the Virgin Mary, made up of the same atoms and cells and blood and guts as you and me. And so, yes, our earthly bodies, they will break down and waste away. And, and, and even as we try to do whatever we can to make them appear better and to last longer, God looks at your body and says, it is good. It is good. Good enough for my son 
to take on one himself. Good enough to redeem and good enough to resurrect. And again, I think this is really good news for us because uh, we feel that ambivalence. And again, sometimes we feel this deep shame over this body that does not do the things we want it to do, perform the way we want it to perform, look the way we want it to look. And yet Jesus had a human body just like you and me. The incarnation is a, is a deep affirmation of our humanity. Second, the incarnation is about God embracing risk, which again is, is maybe a, a new concept for us or something that's hard to wrap our minds around, this idea that God takes risks. But I think this is one of the most interesting and, and actually one of the, best, uh, one of the best things about God is God's willingness to take a risk. I mean, just think about, just think about the complications of pregnancy. And all the things that go into pregnancy and delivery, and then think about that happening 2,000 years ago in a much different scenario than what we have today. Risk. Think about the fragility of young human life. Right? Think about disease and accidents, pandemics. Think about Jesus in a, in a wood shop smashing his thumb with a hammer. Right, just because it's Jesus doesn't mean that felt good, right? He felt that pain. God takes risks. There's the physical risk, but then there's also the relational risk, right? Jesus, the human being, rejected by humans. Continuing on in Isaiah 53, look at verse 7. He was assigned a grave with the wicked. And with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Right? Nothing, nothing deserved or earned about this death. And yet God put his son into our hands only to be rejected and killed. Risk. Third, the incarnation means that Jesus suffered. And again, we've seen that in, in various points here in chapter 53. But as we continue on, look at verse 8. It was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hands. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many and he will bear their iniquities. I think one of the things that stands out to me, if you read through Isaiah 53 all the way through, and I would encourage you to do this at some point this week, but when you read through it all the, all the way through, you just get this sense of the physicality of it, right? You, you can feel it as you read the, the words and the descriptions, the pain, the punishment, the rejection, the physical suffering that Jesus endured, all foretold in this passage in Isaiah. But it is his broken body. It is Jesus' broken body that is hope for our failing bodies. He will see his offspring and prolong his days. There's these little hints in Isaiah 53 about the resurrection. That even though Jesus suffers and dies, faces this brutal moment, right, as a human being, there is this good news on the other 
side of that. Jesus suffers a real physical death and experiences a real physical resurrection for the sake of a real relationship with us. Which leads to the final thing here. The incarnation is a clear demonstration that God values relationship. The word became flesh. Jesus didn't send us a Bible. God sent us his son. God didn't want philosophers. He wanted family members. Jesus doesn't suffer and die for an ideology. He suffers and dies for us. For real people with real bodies living in real places. That we might be together and enjoy this community called the Trinity forever. The incarnation, a clear demonstration that God values relationships. <clears throat> you still have your Bible open. Flip over to Philippians chapter 2. This is in the New Testament. So keep turning to the right. Philippians chapter 2. This is one of the most incredible, succinct summaries of the good news of who Jesus is and what Advent is all about. Philippians 2, beginning in verse 5, look at how it opens. In your relationships. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. That servant language pulled right from Isaiah 53. Taking the nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That is our hope. That is our hope. Not our bodies, not our strength. Our hope is Jesus. Our Savior, the suffering and humble servant who became a man, who became obedient to death so that we might live. Jesus Christ, as we often sing, our living hope. So as we enter Advent and all that this season means and brings, as we meditate on the theme of hope this week and as we prepare now, what does it mean for you to love God with all of your strength, with your body, for your hope to be tied not to our physicality but to Jesus' broken body? And then kind of working our way here through some of the truths of the incarnation. Do you need to receive the incarnation as affirmation? Again, many of us struggle with shame, right, around our bodies, our physicality. Do you, do you need to receive the incarnation as affirmation? Do you need to marvel at the risk God took in sending Jesus. Do you need to marvel at the risk? Do you need to soberly wonder at the suffering of Jesus 
on our behalf. Again, read through Isaiah 53 at some point this week and just notice, take note of all the physical words and descriptions that are packed into that passage. You need to wonder at the suffering of Jesus on our behalf. And then finally, do you need to accept the offer of relationship, right? This good news that God wants to be with us, wants to know us, not just aspects of us, but our full selves, heart, soul, mind, and strength. As the band comes back and as we prepare um, for communion, this is something that we do every Sunday in our gatherings, of course. But today, uh, we want some space for you to, to continue pondering those questions. Maybe there's one particular question that you need to sit with a bit more. But my, my prayer for us as we commune together during Advent this year is that this shared meal connects us with our heart, our soul, our mind and strength. That we see this as an integration moment. Right? As we taste and smell and touch the goodness and grace of God, we become more whole. More fully ourselves, who God intended us to be, that we get this truth into us, right? That God so loved us, so loved this world that he sent his son to redeem and rescue us. One, one final passage from Isaiah 53 and then I will pray. And then as the band leads us to these last couple of songs, whenever you're ready, go to one of the four stations, take the elements uh, there, bring them back to your seat. Um, however you want to do it, and then we'll, we'll close in just a moment. But one last bit from Isaiah 53 to prepare us for the table. Therefore, God says, I will give him, again, this is speaking about Jesus in the future, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. He bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. That's talking about us, right? This is what Jesus has done and what we celebrate in communion. As we hold these elements in our hands, as we, as we eat the bread and drink the juice, we remember that Jesus has come as a human being. He has died in our place and he has overcome sin and death through the power of his resurrection. So again, what do you need to sit with this morning? The incarnation is affirmation. Do you need to marvel at the risk that God took? Do you need to wonder at the suffering of Jesus on your behalf? Do you need to accept the offer of relationship? Let's pray and then we can take communion together. Heavenly Father, we, again, step into this moment. So many different going on. God, to remember, to meditate on, to get this good news into us that our hope is not in our physical bodies, what we are able to do and accomplish with them. Our hope is in Jesus' broken body, broken on our behalf, offered to us as the forgiveness of sins, restoration of right relationship with you. May we know this truth deep in our bones. God, thank you for the gift of your son, the gift of relationship, and the gift of life. We pray this this morning in Jesus' name. Amen.